and welcome to the Armchair Genealogy Podcast, where we aim to demystify technology and make it useful in family tree research, whilst making it fun and easy to do, featuring interviews and alternative tips. Please remember to subscribe and share the podcast. So, on with the episode. And welcome along to another edition of Armchair Genealogy with myself, the Genealogy Guy UK. Something I find very interesting is that genealogy now, apparently, is the second most popular hobby next to gardening in the United Kingdom. And added to that, there are more and more TV shows coming online and on streaming platforms that are helping people to either get inspired or giving minor tips. Now, amongst those, one of them that's caught my eye, besides things like Who Do You Think You Are?, is over on ITV, and it's called DNA Journey, which is an interesting format because it takes two different celebrities and puts them on a journey that they share together looking into their into their past families. So fascinated was I that I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to talk to some of the people that are behind the scenes that actually do all the real genealogy work? So I tracked down Paul McNeil. He's the managing director at Time Detectives and also appears on some of the episodes of DNA Journey. And like all genealogists, he has some really interesting stories and some very interesting tips. So, first off, Paul, give me a a, a sort of brief explanation. If if you were describing yourself in an elevator journey, how would you describe yourself as a a genealogist? I'd say I'm a professional TV genealogist purely by chance, without the qualifications to do the job, but with the experience. How by chance? Now, maybe let's take it right back. How did you you first get introduced to genealogy? So I left school with no qualifications and um, got a job in the GLC, basically, the Great London Council, as a computer operator, which was great. I had no qualifications, but I passed our aptitude test. And we used to do all this shift work and uh, get dog tired in the middle of the night, four o'clock in the morning. You'd been playing cards all night, trying to take money off of each other. But you were really tired. So we'd split the shift and we'd found out that there was a gym in the basement of the uh, of County Hall. So we used to go down to the gym, have a workout, have a shower afterwards, come back up, fresh as a daisy, carry on through the night. And then one night, as we came out of the gym, we saw these, these two great big wooden doors next to where the gym was in, in the basement of this building. And it said, London Metropolitan Archives on it. And we're like, what's all that about? You know, we're all like blokes from South London. You know, we didn't know what was going on in the building other than what we were doing. So um, being boys from South London with a particular set of skills, we gained access to the London Metropolitan Archives at like, four o'clock in the morning, nothing was taken, nothing was broken, but we, in an unorthodox fashion, gained access. And we just went in there to have a look around, really, because, you know, you're bored. It was a night shift. You're trying to find things to keep yourself awake before you go back on back on your turn for the shift. And uh, we walked in there, and there were, there were all the parish records for London in there. And so I just went up to a set of parish records from one of the churches where I knew, you know, my family had lived in that area or in those streets, and pulled them out, started going through them. And all of a sudden, I found my Victorian family in there. It was a, a, a real incredible moment because it's like it was like opening up a Dickens book and all your ancestors tumble out of it. But, the, you know, these characters, they're not just characters, you're descended from them. 
Yeah. And once I realised there was all that wealth of information, all that stuff I never knew, these people were all dead and gone, and all of a sudden they're alive and they're in front of you. So I was hooked really from that point. So what I would do is finish a shift, then go in there legally during the day, have a look at the uh, the parish records and start pulling out things about me, you know, my ancestors, my grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents and all the rest of it. So that's what started me. That was the, the very first thing that started me off on, on this, I won't say a hobby, I'd say really a job or a career from my point of view. This is like 1970s. And, you know, if you wanted to find some records, you had to go and find the parish record. And if, you know, you'd order something up, you'd wait half a day, it'd come through, you've ordered the wrong thing, you order something else, it's another half day. It takes oh, you yeah. a week to find one, you know, certificate or whatever. It's just a nightmare, or it used to be. Yep. Um, but I was in the computer department, so I was unqualified, but I had, um, I had a lot of knowledge. And once things started to go online, I picked up on it straight away. So I, I did, did it for a few years as a hobby. Then I started picking up on the CDs that came out and started doing it a bit more seriously. And um, the thing was, I got my family back, you know, over 200 years. And I was like, well, you know, I'm no one. All, all my family were poor and all of them were poor going right the way back. They're all poor. And if I can find mine, can I find other people's? So, you know, things progressed over the years and it became easier to do this stuff online because you or, or quicker is probably a better, a better description. And, um, Years later, I moved from being a, a lowly computer operator to running a software company. So there's all sorts of iterations in between, mainly through sales. I was I was unqualified again. So instead of going on the technical side, I went on sales. I, I did have a little dabble with the technical side. And then I realized that the salesmen I was working with were doing 10% of the work and getting 90% of the money. I thought, well, no, I want that. I, you know, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. So I went into sales and eventually ended up running the European arm of a software company. By that time, we'd moved out of South London, out of Peckham, straight out of Peckham, and we were down in um, Winchester and got a nice house down there and we built this house up and I was getting it all painted. And the guy that came around to paint it was a guy called Terry Jacobs, just a local Hampshire lad, you know, um, a bit younger than me, uh, but he had the same birth date as one of my sons, not the same year, but the same date. I thought, well, that's interesting. It made me think. I thought, right, I'm going to um, going to have a look, see if I can trace him. Because, you know, he's just an ordinary bloke, and he was painting all my windows. Over a period of two weeks, when he was painting all the window frames, I'm going, Terry, Terry, look what I found now. Look, I found your great-grandfather. And he's coming in and looking at all this. Yeah. Of course, we're doing that. My missus are walking and go, leave him alone. Let him get on with the painting. We want to get this work done. You know, I'm like, oh. So anyway... I traced his family tree. They're all shepherds in uh, Mansbridge and around there in uh, near Southampton in, in Hampshire. And um, I thought, well, if I can do mine and I can do his, I can probably do anyone's. So I started doing it kind of as a hobby, but a paid hobby. And, I mean, I'm working class and I, I can't do anything that doesn't involve getting money for it. So I started doing it just on the off for people, you know, people I knew, and I put a few adverts in local papers, started doing that. I started collecting interested names. And uh, Fred Dynage, I don't know if you remember him, off of Howe, oh, yeah. newsreader, kind of semi-retired now, but he was on Meridian News down here, because I live in Hampshire now. I thought that's an unusual name, Dynage. Very few people with that name. And basically, I traced his tree, and he had an ancestor that went down on the Titanic. He had one that fought at the Battle of Waterloo in the, um, you know, the Rifle Brigade, all this kind of thing. So it's fantastic. And I found out his name was originally Dunnage and then Dinage. And the dynage bit with the E in the middle came from 
his ancestor at Waterloo, who was part of the British occupation force after we defeated Napoleon. And he married a French woman and she put an E in to make the name sound a little bit more French. So it became sort of Dinage or Dinage. And uh, so everybody with that name now in the UK is related to Fred Dinage. So there you go. So anyway, I traced his, traced his tree and I thought, right, what can I do with this? So previously, I would, I'd looked at Danny Baker's tree because he was from South London like me. I'd done his tree and I sent it in to him on his radio show. And he picked it up and he read it out. And I thought, okay, well, if it's that easy to get your name out there, maybe I can do something on the telly as well. So the Fred Dynish connection came up, traced him, ancestor at the Battle of Waterloo, all the rest of it. And I phoned up the TV company and just said, look, you know, I've traced Fred's tree. Are you interested in the story? And they said, oh, yeah, no, that'd be interesting. So basically he came down to my house and uh, we filmed an episode, a, a little takeout that they do on the uh, news programmes all about his tree, going back to Waterloo, going back to the Titanic, because obviously it went from Southampton, so it was a good local story. And uh, my missus came home. <laughs> She's walking up the drive, and there's this great big Rolls Royce in there with Hal One on the number plate. And there's <laughs> me and Fred in the dining room doing this interview. So that got me into telly a bit. And uh, after that, I started a blog, basically, again, looking for well known people like the Rednaps, et cetera. Unusual name, well known people, do their tree, put it on the blog. You get a lot of readers coming in. And then you get interested in people, you know, you doing people's trees, which you could charge for. And that was kind of as far as it went. I'd retired by then. We'd flogged our company to the Yanks, made a bit of money, very happy. And we were on holiday. And a phone call came through, and I thought it was a scam. And this bloke's going, oh, I work for a TV company, and uh, yeah, we're interested in this, that, and the other. I thought, oh, he's going to ask me for money in a minute, isn't he? He said, we've read your blog about the Redknapp family. You seem to know a lot about them. I said, well, yeah, no, I've done a lot of research on it. He said, well, we're making this new show called DNA Journey. He said, and uh, we wondered if we could use your work. And as anyone knows that's dealt with the media, generally they like to get it for free if they can. Yeah. And I said, you know, I've been in sales for a long time. I've run businesses. And I said, I'll tell you what, you can use it. That's not a problem because you always say yes when you're in sales. But you've got to pay me. And he went quiet and he went, um, yeah, okay. We can probably work something out on that. I thought, right, that's the first yes. Let's see what else I can get. I said, uh, oh, I want to be in it. And it just went deadly, deadly silent. And <laughs> I thought, I'm not saying anything. You know, I'm in Tenerife sitting here in the sun. I can stay on this phone as long as you want. And he went, why don't you come in and see us when you come back from holiday? So basically I went in to see him. They can see I'm not shy. You know, I was prepared to talk on camera and that. And um, it took off from there. I was in the, you know, I filmed an episode and uh, kind of the the big bit on the telly with the DNA journey program um, all came from that purely by chance because someone did some research and picked up on some work that I did. So the whole thing has been by good fortune and, and chance, basically and me taking my opportunities when they present themselves, you know, I cold called a TV company and asked if I could do Fred Dynage's tree on the telly. And they said, yes. It's the classic case though, isn't it? That you, you just put yourself out there. You've just done stuff. Uh, and people don't come and knock on your door because they've never heard of you. They come and knock on your door because they've heard your name or or read something or seen or there's always you, so you have to reach out before they reach back. You got to put yourself in the way of chance happenings. My philosophy has always been: I'll never stop myself from getting a chance in life. 
because there are plenty of other people out there that will stop you from having a chance in life. So if someone wants to take me on to do something, I don't care whether I'm qualified, whether I'm unqualified, whatever, I will do it. And if it don't work, it's their fault for taking me on. On your very unusual journey into into genealogy and into into TV and radio, so what are some of the key things that you've come across that you, you realise other people fall into those traps that they just automatically go down the, the wrong route or they just look at the wrong files or they start in the wrong place? I think the problem is when you first get into it, there's so much you can find out. So there's a there's a wealth of knowledge. There's all these people you start digging up that were dead and now they're not because you found them again. And that's intoxicating. We're descended from twice the number of people each generation going back. And it goes on and on and on. There are hundreds, there are thousands. It goes on and eventually it sort of gets a bit inbred because it has to because there aren't that many people who have ever lived. So you get a little bit of the inbreeding going on. But the, the, the routes you take, and I've always looked at it to have a, a goal of what you're looking for. So if I do someone's tree, and I'm, I'm not touting for business, but if I do a private commission, I take one surname line and I go right up that surname line as far as I can go. I map out every family generation and what happened to them. So I map it all the way down from as far as I can, right the way down to the present with each generation, way up to the brothers and sisters and that kind of thing. And if you can do that and focus on one thing, you can get something that's a result. And then the key is you've got dates, you've got places, you've got names, but so what? You know, there's nothing, is it? It's just a list of things, just data. What you need is the story. And this really came home to me again. I was, uh, I was working from home years ago, and I found out that there was an archaeological dig near me. They were digging up a school called Lank Hills, in Winchester, and I mean, Winchester's got a fantastic, you know, heritage going back to the Romans and before Iron Age and whatever. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're, they're digging up a Romano-British cemetery there. I thought, well, I'm interested in that, so I'm going to go down there. Again, you, you, you know, there are no rules. So I walked down there, and I've always found if you walk onto a place and you act like you're meant to be there, they they probably think you're meant to be there. And most people are nice. And most people want to talk about themselves like I do, you know. So I walked onto this archaeological site, and the bloke that was in charge of it from uh, Oxford Archaeology, I said, fantastic what you're doing here. I said, what, what, what's going on? What what you found? And he just went, oh, okay, let, I'll show you. I'll show you around. So he started taking me around, and they're like open graves, and you're six foot or five foot nine from this grave. And we looked in it, and there was a skeleton of a woman in there with a little baby. And he's saying to me, well, you know, the the – Child probably died just after childbirth, and you know the mother probably died from some infection. And all of a sudden, this woman who had died fifteen hundred years ago wasn't dead anymore because I could see her. And I thought she's she's got this story. There's a story in there, and it's been lost for fifteen hundred years. She didn't. It wasn't even just lost. She didn't exist. But then there was another body that had the head cut off and the head put between the knees and things like, which is a thing that the Romans used to do. Nobody quite knows why. They think. It might be a punishment if they're a criminal or it might be to stop them coming back after death or something like that. But there are all these stories. and I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm thinking, I want to tell the stories. So I started doing it with my own tree. But then when I started tracing other people's, it's like, you know, dates and that are fine, places are fine, but they're all just data you can turn into a story. And if you can do that, if you can concentrate on one thing and if you can turn it into a story, you've built something that's worth having. And that, 
to me, is a big thrill of it. And, of course, that spills over into the TV work because you don't want to watch the TV and someone says, yeah, you've got all these ancestors and these are all the dates and that's where they lived. Enjoy that. You want the story. You want to know what they did, good or bad. I mean, I'm usually in on the bad stuff, but, you know, good or bad. So, so for me, it's concentrate, one thing, look for the story, and then move on to the next thing. And if you don't do that, you can have a great time. You can spread yourself very wide, but what have you got at the end of it? You've got a lot of data. And data on its own, is, is that of much use? Maybe to someone else, I don't know. Email the podcast by contacting us, info at armchairgenealogy.com. So let's return to the second part of the interview with Paul McNeil, who appears in and is one of the main researchers in the ITV show DNA Journey. So when, when you're doing it, do you have favourite places that you start? Like the, any particular data that you instantly go, well, I'll start with that one and then I'll work from there? I tend to use a, a genealogy programme. You, know, you know, I use all of them, basically. So I use Ancestry, I use Find My Past, you, know, you name it. The genealogist, site of genealogists, I'm a member of that. So I go into all of them. But again, start simple. So start with a tree. Start with your tree. Start with what you know. So start with your parents. Go to your grandparents. Listen to the family stories. Because <clears throat> quite often, the family stories aren't completely true, but there's a seed of truth in there. And you'll often find someone to say a story about the war. And, you know, where they were and what they did might not quite be true, but at least you know they're in the war and you know they're in the army or the air force or the navy or whatever it might be. So start with that and build out from it. Put it in the tree, put everything in there and start to sift through it. I tend to use Ancestry. And I'm not just saying that because they pay me when I do the show. They have got a very good front end. They've got a very good database, simple to use front end. You can obviously put your DNA in there as well. But there are a lot of good good systems out there. And I work back gradually through that. If you're on a budget, great resource is um, free BMD, free births, marriages and deaths. As the title says, it's free. You can go in there and find out lots of information. Um, but, but it's dates and names and places. It lets you sift through things very quickly. It might save you some money from just ordering up any certificate you get. But then I start to put it into the tree and I gradually build the tree out and do it generation by generation. So find the parents, find the children, what happened to them, did they disappear? Is that because they died, etc. Build it out from there. So the, the usual simple stuff, looking for births, deaths, marriages, army records are very good, naval records are very good. And then if you want to add a bit of spice, if you know, you've got your pie and mash, now you want a bit of spicy liquor on it, Look through newspapers, because if they've made the newspapers, chances are they've done something very, very good or very, very bad. There's, there's a lot of this um, data now coming online, and people are just specialising in gathering data of newspapers. And and you're right, it's 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 the it's the, the the real story behind the people now. It's like, did they do something really good or really bad? It, it, exactly. And if they were wounded in the war, that might get a mention. So there's all these kind of little things. And the other is when you when you search, search on variations of the name, put wild characters in and things like this. Especially if you've got, if, if your name's Smith, then you're probably going to be all right unless someone spelled it with a Y. And if you're a Cockney, then an F, a TH and a PH sound like the same sound to me. They're all, they all sound like, you know, Smith, thank you, etc. Do that. Look for the odd things. And I, I think if there's if there's a key thing, it's 
don't try and prove what you found. Try and disprove what you found because you can never be 100% sure that what you found is right, but you can sometimes be 100% sure that what you found is wrong. And you always try and disprove it. If you can't disprove it, you're probably right. You only need one black swan to prove that all, not all swans are white. How have you found your um, exploration of genealogy and then the introduction of DNA? How have you found that has, has enabled you to actually delve either quicker or more succinctly through a story? It can complicate. It's very useful. Um, it's useful in, in two aspects, I find. It's useful in the immediate so it can throw up a lot of people that you're closely related to that you may or may not have known about. It can also prove relationships. I mean, there's an old adage, you know, people lie, documents lie, DNA doesn't lie. <laughs> the other thing it can do, it can it can point to where you came from in the Stone Age, thousands of years ago. It, it doesn't necessarily prove anything, but it gives a very good in, indication um, but it's a Pandora's box. So what would be a good example? You open this box and you don't know what's going to be in it, but it's the truth. No matter what's in there, no matter how much you may not like it, it is the truth. So my name is Paul McNeil. On my birth certificate, my name is Paul Edward McNeil, and my dad is Leonard Henry McNeil. And I've always been told that my dad was Leonard Henry McNeil, and he was my dad. So people told me that. The paperwork tells me that I did a DNA test four years ago when I was 64, and it came back, and I was using Ancestry, so you map the DNA to the to the tree that you've built, and then it starts giving you hints. It's great. There's an AI in there that gives you hints about people you may be related to, and it gives you a rough idea what sort of relationship. I was getting tons of hits on my mother's side of the family, which was great, and they all fitted into the tree that I've been developing. I got no hits at all on my father's side of the family. I thought, well, that's strange, but, you know, it's not that common a name, McNeil, over here, and uh, it could be that none of them have taken DNA tests. So that, that could be why there's a bit of a, a hole in the, in the you know, the, the hits I should be getting. But then I found a third family who I got a ton of hits for and didn't fit anywhere in my tree. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to test this. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 68 now. My parents are dead long ago. You know, every, every, more or less everyone I grew up with is dead. So I thought, well, what I'll do, I've got a nephew, my brother's son. I'll get his test. He agreed to have a DNA test. We tested that. When it came back, turns out he was my half-nephew. So straight away, there's alarm bells. So, you know... I'm a genealogist. I start looking into it. So I build a tree for this other family that I'm getting hits from, and I actually build out their tree. And I find some very close, like, cousin hits, first cousin hits, not second or third, you know, 100, 200 years back relationship. This is close stuff. And basically, I've worked out that one of three guys, three brothers, was my real father. So I knew it because it's in the DNA, but I thought, well, how am I going to? Yeah, there must be some corroborating evidence. So what I did, I've got one cousin who's 80 now, and he's eight years, he's 13 years older than me. So he was 13 when I was born. So I phoned him up. I said, Stevie, I said, uh, when I was born, were there any, any like, rumours about me or my dad or anything like that? And he went, 
um, uh, well, let, let me have a think and I'll phone you back, Paul. <laughs> I thought, aye, aye, you know, he's, he's worried about telling me. Anyway, five minutes later, bring, bring, phone rings, pick it up, it's Pauline, his missus. She goes, I told him, just tell him, just tell him what you know. Hands the phone over. And on comes Steve. He said, well, yeah, yeah, my mum and dad had quite a difficult relationship for most of their marriage. I mean, they stayed together all their lives, but they didn't get on. Go figure kind of thing. But um, they had broken up a couple of times, only for like a matter of weeks or whatever. And in the early days, in the 1950s, when I was born, they honestly literally had no money. And from what I can make out, the mum was taken in by someone that knew me dad. Nine months later, I'm born. What you've emphasised then, in which I, I tell other people, is is just because you've had a DNA, you shouldn't then just go, oh, well, no, none of the brothers and sisters need to, because everyone goes, well, you've done yours, I don't need to do mine. It's just like, you do, because it, it helps, because it's a bigger pool of DNA that it can access. Exactly, you don't know what you're going to find. But even even if you leave that aside, the, the, the shock horror, you know, is not your dad kind of revelation. And to be honest, it doesn't bother me. It's an interesting story. The dead have been dead for years. A bloke brought me up and I weren't even his kid. You know, what a great bloke. You know, I'm not bothered by it. I find it quite interesting. A question came up on Facebook the other day. On You know, I'm on a lot of the genealogy sites on there and I, I jump in and cause arguments and this kind of thing. <laughs> um, but someone asked a question. They said, if um, I'm on the, I'm actually on the Mensa site because another part of the story, because I left school with no qualifications, I was going for jobs, and because I sound like this and because I look like this and I've got no qualifications, everybody thinks you're thick, you know. So I did a Mensa test, and I passed the Mensa test, so, you know, got into Mensa, and I thought, well, if I got that on my CV, no one can ever call me thick because, you notice I, I pronounce my T and H there. Really good. So I'm trying to sound more intelligent. No one can call me thick because, you know, I'm in Mensa. Anyway, this question came up in Mensa, and someone said um, – if I've got my DNA tested, is there any point in me asking my mum and dad to have theirs tested as well? Yeah. Because, you know, I've got the results. And I said, well, actually, you've got half the results because every female egg and every male sperm has got exactly half of your parents' recombining DNA, and every other egg and sperm may have a different combination of half of that, and that all gets thrown away. So the half you don't get is gone forever. You get half of each, exceptions being Y chromosome and mitochondrial. But basically, you get half the recombining DNA. So you've only got half the story of your parents, and they've only got half the story of their parents. So if you have yours done, that's great. You'll get a lot of results, and they'll be interesting. If you have theirs done as well, you're getting twice as much back because you've only got half of their DNA and so on and so forth. So, yes, it is worth getting more tests done. You never know what you're going to find out. And obviously, people got to be cool with that. They've got to understand what they could find out. And actually, you could end up with a lot of relations you don't want and end up buying lots and lots of Christmas cards. Who wants to do that? So if people want to find out more about what you're up to and what you're doing, like you mentioned that you're on different groups now. Is there a, is there a direct web page or a blog that you would say, oh, check out this if you want to actually find out some more things? Yeah, I'll use a, I'll use a WordPress blog as, as my web page, basically. So it's www.timedetectives.wordpress.com. So I've trademarked the word time detectives in the UK. Very good. So if you see at Time Detectives anywhere on, you know, Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, that's most likely me. And if it's not, I may well sue. 
<laughs> so that, that's how you, you tend to find me. And I've, I've started going on the road now, so I've um, not because the wife's chucked me out, but because I'm doing uh, like stand, I'm trying to do stand-up genealogy. I'm trying to invent a whole new genre of entertainment called stand-up genealogy. So rather than going and talking at the event and making it very dry, I try and put humour into it. So, uh, for example, in January, I'm over at Sudbury in Suffolk, which is like four-hour journey from the south coast where I live. But I'm going over there to a theatre. I'm doing like we stand up there. I do local charity things and all this. So occasionally I'll put these on on uh, on my website and it'll come up in Facebook if I'm going to be appearing somewhere. So, uh, and if anyone's an agent out there, then get in touch. I'm doing it all myself at the moment. But yeah, but basically my blog site, and I'll put stories up there about um, what's happening with the TV show, about things I've traced. I, I'm into archaeology quite a bit, so I'll put up the latest theories about, you know, were there ever any Celts in, in, in the UK and Ireland? And the answer, of course, is no. They spoke a Celtic language, but the only Celts that ever existed that called themselves Celts were in Spain and southern France, basically. So things like that I'll put up. All these different, you know, historical, archaeological, and obviously a lot of genealogical stories. Again, I'm trying to put stories up that make an interesting read for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes for people. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm always a big fan of the did you know type facts, the things that when you just generally chat, they say, did you know that? And most people go, I never knew that. They say, neither did I. That's all I'm telling you because it's <laughs> it's the Kels. Like the Kels thing is a classic example. I wouldn't have known that. And now you've told me. It's like, so when the, people will argue it because they're emotionally involved with being Celtic, but they're probably not unless they come from Spain. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Paul McNeil. I'm I'm sure I'm going to come back to you at some point because like, you've obviously got loads of tales of of interesting things that have happened to you to do with genealogy and all the other things that have happened and the best of success with the with the tour. And hopefully you'll end up somewhere over in my direction and I can get to see you live. Thank you much, very much again, Paul. It's been it's been great having you on as another guest because um, it's always it's it's other people's stories, as you've said at the beginning, uh, that makes genealogy so fascinating. Great pleasure talking to you. A very big thank you there to Paul McNeil, the managing director at Time Detectives and one of the researchers from the ITV show DNA Journey. And I do hope he's inspired more of you to get out there and start finding out more about your families. Until the next time, happy and productive researching. And remember to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when new editions are published.